Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. Uh, as is the case every week, uh, it is me, Matt Collins, as your host, and I am joined once again by Brian Joyner. Um, Brian, you and I have spoken each of the last two weeks, and it has, in hindsight, been a private conversation. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get this one to the airwaves, because no offense, I would rather speak to you in a public forum, at least in this format. If this one doesn't work, it, we might just want to take it as a sign. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the case, but it will work. I am confident that other people will hear this. Um, hopefully that's not just unfound confidence, but we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, obviously a lot has happened since the last time we have published, um, but we're not going to go over the last three weeks of Red Sox stuff, because luckily Jake and Keaton have you guys covered with that. 
on Tuesday mornings anyways, um, but we will ha- talk about what has happened over the last week or so. Um, not a whole lot in the way of news for the Red Sox, but there was a little bit. Um, I don't know if surprising is the right word for this, but it was not super expected timing-wise, uh, but Franchi Cordero was demoted down to Worcester. Um, like I said, not a huge surprise, mainly because he is he was terrible in the majors. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. He hit uh, 179, 228, 274, WRC plus of 37 um, in the big league. So it was sort of just a matter of when he was going to get demoted. Happened last week. He did get a couple, three games in Worcester before uh, the week's schedule closed there for Worcester. Um, are you good with that? I mean, is it worth just getting them down and getting them those at-bats in a more consistent and less stressful environment? I know we've been kind of talking about it for months, but it's finally happened now. Yeah, I don't... I mean, this seems to be one of the main reasons the minor leagues exist, so that he can continue to play baseball and try to work things out um, on company time. Let's get our money's worth, Franchi. And in a park, um, Polar Park in Worcester has been just playing up uh, like crazy for power. Um, John Tomasi had a pretty good article about that uh, over the weekend about how it affects um, evaluating prospects and potentially evaluating somebody like Franchi Cordero. Um, Cordero has played three games for Worcester. Uh, He has two home runs already which is double the amount of home runs he hit in 34 games for the Red Sox. Um, So obviously we know power has always been part of Franchi's game. We didn't get to really see it too much in the majors except for one mammoth home run. Um, But he has at least connected for a couple in Worcester. And obviously that's the kind of start you're looking for, but they're looking for a more consistent performance than just seeing him hit a couple of home runs. Um so I guess on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you that Cordero is going to come back in more than just an injury replacement role, like as somebody who could come up and actually be impactful? Well, I just want to take issue with the way you phrase that. You said on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you that he will make will? an impact? He can, yeah. No, no. We you can, the question can, you sorry. wrote says can. Yeah. Okay. Answer the question I wrote. That's what um, I meant to say. How that he can make up, come up, make. Are you confident? I guess I should. Three. Are you three? Three. Three. So you don't. You're not very confident that it can happen. Uh, I think I answered will. Um, I mean, can it happen? Uh, sure. And this dovetails with a long time ago. Now, in an episode that actually got published, I think you said, "What do you see his value to the team, if anything, as?" And I said, "Pinch hitter." And that's basically. Uh, I stand by that. So the Duran thing is potentially problematic because they're similar. I mean, they both lefties. So um, you'd think that there could be some overlap in usage there. But at the same time, with Franchi, all you're hoping for is for him to hit a home run 700 feet. And by the way, I'm pretty sure his two minor league home runs probably went the same distance as the one major league. So we can just count it as a tie. Um, 
but I'm not confident. What about you? I'm also not confident. Um, I've never really been super confident in a guy who swings and misses as much as Cordero. Um, I do think Duran is probably the biggest barrier there um, because, like I said, I mean, they are obviously different types of hitters, but they are both left-handed outfielders. And at this point, I don't know that the timeline is really that far off. We do have a question about Duran's um, timeline that we'll get to in a little bit, but um, I mean, it's not far on the horizon, and so it's not like Cordero, he probably won't get another extended chance before Duran, before they're ready to call Duran up, I guess I should say, rather than Duran being ready, because I do think Duran is ready, but, so that's a big barrier in his way, but the other, the flip side of that is there's some guys on the Major League roster who, frankly, aren't getting it done, and I mean, I think Right now, mostly that's Marwin Gonzalez. Um, he just he's been terrible. He's not even a replacement level player, and at a certain point, um, they might just get sick of him, and then maybe the Cordero gets a spot there. There's an opening. Injuries can obviously open things up. So I think there is a path if he is good enough. I just am not sure he's good enough. So I think a three. You gave it a three on the scale of one to ten. I think that sounds about right. Um, I think he obviously has the raw talent um i could see him getting on a hot streak where um maybe it looks like he can be somebody that i don't think he can be maybe it's something like michael chavis's uh the first like month or six weeks or so of his career um seeing cordero do something like that wouldn't be super crazy to me but at the end of the day i just don't think I don't think he's a great player, and I think that having Duran in front of him is just those two things combined. It's just too much um, for me to really buy into him being anything more than like you said. I could see him maybe being a pinch hitter at times, but I don't. I don't think he's a guy that you want to see playing anything close to an everyday basis at any point for the rest of the season. I think something's gone wrong if that's what's happening. First of all, I'm going to push back on the idea that they're going to wash their hands of Marwin Gonzalez. I think with this type of player, especially one who is versatile enough or has been, they're going to give it, he's a veteran. They're going to give him uh, a little bit more time. I think I should have been more. I meant for that. That was like in the middle of August. I was thinking, I don't think it'll be any time like imminently. Yeah. I just think function. The, him and Franchi are almost totally different, and then Marwin can always be functionally useful even if he's not good, whereas that is not the case with Franchi. The, the, I think the path to playing type for Franchi is a guy we haven't mentioned, and that's if Alex Verdugo has nagging injuries necessitating Duran and Cordero be around to fill the left-handed batter's role um, outfielder. So that is just speculation. He's sort of been nagged on and off uh, at times but that would be the path I could see I mean I guess that makes sense about Verdugo I guess I just don't necessarily agree about Marwin Gonzalez because I don't think he is in any way usable right now I know he can play a lot of positions but I don't know that that really matters when you aren't doing anything well I mean he is a black hole in the lineup right now. Um, 
and they have, I mean, we talked about this, I don't think <laughs> when we talked about this, it actually got aired. Um, but there's a certain point where that versatility, I think it's uh, diminishing returns. And when you already have Danny Santana and you have Kike Hernandez, who can also play all over the place, I'm not sure that having Myron Gonzalez be able to do that um, is worth keeping him on the roster. If he was on a multi-year deal, I don't think it would happen. But since he's on a cheap one-year deal, if he if he plays this poorly into like the middle of August, which I don't know is something that I would predict, I think he's certainly better than what we've seen. But if that were to happen, I could see them saying, let's just get a power bat up if Franchi's hitting in Worcester. But I mean, this is all a lot of yeah. ifs. And this, that's why I have the scale of confidence for me is at a three, because I don't necessarily see all of this happening at once, but I do think there is a path to Gonzalez sort of running out his usefulness, especially when they already have two guys who could play all over the place. And then they, I mean, they have other guys who could play uh, Christian Vasquez is playing on the infield. He played a little bit of third base yesterday. Uh, Christian Arroyo can play, um, a couple of different spots. Bobby Dalba can play both corners. I mean, they have enough versatility that if Marwin's not hitting, I just don't know how useful that versatility is. It's not like he's a gold glover at any of those spots. He's fine where he plays, but it's not. It's not like you need him in the lineup offensively or defensively right now. Well, I see that, but A, I agree with you. It's a little bit premature because that's more than – Oh, it's a lot season. premature for sure. That's that's more of the season we've had so far away. Um, and the other players could get hurt. And at the same time, Marwin, I mean, I think that the uh, the way Alex Cora deals with players, especially someone of Marwin's, I don't want to say pedigree because he's still Marwin Gonzalez, but I think that they want to be they want to give him the chance to work his way out of it and yes if everyone stays healthy and he can't hit the side of a barn in two months i could totally see them making a switch i just don't even think that that's that's just so far ahead i'm impressed that you're able to look that far ahead well the one i mean it, this is not totally analogous situations at all but it's worth noting that um alex cora was here the year they cut ties with hanley and there's i mean hanley had more of a history there's um other stuff going on it was more of an extended slump with him but they have gotten rid of veterans with track records under cora before but like you said i mean it is far away and also um all that could happen and it's very possible Franchi Cordero is also just not hitting in AAA, so it's not worth calling him up anyways. So, Well, what I would like to say that I do not think the Hanley and Marwin Gonzalez situations are analogous. I feel like Hanley was a distinct case, and I think Marwin Gonzalez is more of the, why don't you just make the whole team out of middle infielders? Um, so they want to have as many as they can have around some will get hot some will get cold and i think that implicit or explicit is you know this is baseball people go through hot and cold streaks and it can change and i think the implicit is that he will have i don't think you disagree with this because of the timetable that you're talking about of uh, that he will get time to hit out of it and yeah if he's this oh, bad yeah, forever he's he's he could easily be let go um or whatever uh, but 
we'll cross that bridge. The the other thing is that they just keep winning. So you say, you know, as long as well, they keep winning, I mean, yeah, <laughs> who cares? Um, yeah, that's the big, that's the big part of this too. If they if they keep winning, not, they don't need to change anything. And um, as we'll get to, not too far from now, it's going to be hard to keep winning. But um, I do also want to before we get to uh, some of the changing of the calendar over to June. Um, we should mention that Cordero getting demoted, the flip side of that was going back to the three-man bench. Uh, don't worry, we're not going to keep talking about that again. I have made my thoughts on that abundantly clear, and it is clear that the Red Sox do not care. Uh, but they did bring back up Colton Brewer uh, to take Cordero's spot in the roster. Brewer uh, made his first appearance for the Red Sox on Monday against the Astros, and he was terrible. Um at this point, Cordero, or Cordero, uh, Brewer just has never been very good. I mean, it's just, to be frank about it, I had some relatively high hopes for him when they first got him. He just hasn't done it. Is he worth keeping over? Um, guys like Brandon Workman, Caleb Ort's been getting a lot of buzz down at Worcester. Um, Kevin McCarthy got some buzz in spring. I mean, they have some guys that are not necessarily great, but... I think Workman's probably the most attractive, but is it worth keeping Brewer on the roster over any of these guys, or can we just go to Brandon Workman or pick your favorite Worcester reliever? Matt, this is what they call in the business a leading question. Yeah, I know, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just frustrated. His name is Brewer. He's obviously a spy. Just trade him <laughs> back for JBJ and everyone will be happy. Uh, no, we like to see JBJ thriving, don't we, folks? I mean... I always thought Workman was... I've never had a problem with Workman. He's literally Workman-like. It's great. It works perfectly. So uh, just for the headlines alone, let's give me Brandon Workman. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you pointed out, the way that I asked the question kind of made it clear. Um, I am... I'm not even necessarily super excited about Workman. I um, absolutely loved watching Workman pitch a couple years ago when he was... um, just on another planet, one of the best relievers in baseball that season. But something happened last year where he just totally lost it, and it doesn't really seem like it's come back. Uh, the velocity went way down. Uh, the curveball's not as sharp as it used to be. That said, he's pitching decently enough in Worcester, and Colton Brewer's just not very good. So, I mean, they do need to make a 40-man move um, to get Workman on the roster, but they can just do that by designating Brewer for assignment. Um, I don't know. I just... The sort of bottom half of their bullpen, however you want to phrase it, the not the top, like, four guys, they have not found the right mix there yet. And, I mean, Brewer's only pitched once, but it's pretty clear to me he is not part of that mix. So um, I say... It's time to move on. Get Brandon Workman back up here. Or Caleb Ort, who I know Jake really likes, but I would rather see Workman, I guess. Why do you think Brewer is up? He uh, was already on the 40-man is the only thing that really makes sense to me. Um, They have a full 40-man. And it should be mentioned, Ryan Brazier um, working his way back relatively soon. They'll need to make another 40-man move for that, so I think they just didn't want to make multiple moves in a short period of time, which I guess makes sense, but um, I mean, it's just, it's what they were dealing with with Austin Bryce earlier this year. Is it really worth it? 
to keep these guys at this point in the season just because they're on the 40 man if they're bad i would argue no um but i suspect we'll see brewer at least for a few more appearances before they make any sort of move like that um good news is it'll probably be during games that are already over uh, blowouts in one direction or the other so hopefully hopefully we don't see him in any meaningful baseball or something has gone wrong if we see him unspooling a baseball we know the end is nigh <laughs> uh all right so uh we should say we are recording this on tuesday afternoon so they have played zero games in june uh, when we are speaking, but when you're hearing it, obviously they will have played Tuesday night. Uh, but this is the flip over the calendar part of the day. Um, so the Red Sox went 15 and 11 in May, uh, not quite at their April pace, but not too far off. It was still a good month. Uh, bad news for the Red Sox is the Rays won 22 games in the month of May. Um, they are just on another level right now. There's not really much the Red Sox can do. And because of that, Boston is two games back in the division. But all in all, still a solid month of May for the Red Sox. So before we move on to June, um, wanted to just kind of go over some of the best and worst players of the month. Um, just some basic awards for the month of May. So I'll start with the... Best position player in the month of May. There's a few options here. Yeah, so I have the stats up for May. And three players really stand out OPS-wise among the regulars. And those are the two you two of two you'd expect. Bogart's endeavors are way up there. And the other one is Hunter Renfro, who in May Hit 319, 333, 604 with six homers and 15 RBI. Um, but by looking at the numbers, uh, I think the answer is at least the offensive numbers. In fact, he plays a premium position well enough. I think it's Xander, who is 311, 394, 567. Uh, do you disagree? I thought about saying. Either Devers or Renfro, just for the sake of increasing debate and disagreeing, but um, that would be silly. I think it is Bogarts, and it's strange because, and this is, I guess, perfect for Bogarts because this is just sort of who he is. Um, it didn't really seem like he was that great. Definitely, it obviously didn't seem like he was bad, but it felt like Devers and Renfro were both better than him. Um, and I mean, by the numbers, they just weren't. Bogarts was awesome in every facet of baseball. It wasn't like he just got lucky with batted balls. He walked 11% of the time, only struck out 17% of the time. He hit six home runs. Um, power he had three was steals. very much there. Three steals uh, led the tied with Christian Vasquez for the team lead this <laughs> month in steals, which is, which is just exactly how everybody drew it up. Um, no, I mean, I think it has to be Bogarts. He is just so steadily good that it didn't seem like he was that good, which is, I mean, that's, I guess this is just what we expect out of him, which is crazy because he had a 163 WRC plus, um, in May. Um, so yeah, I think, I I think it has to be Bogarts. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if it's what we expect out of him. As much as like, I think it's what I, don't I expect know. out of him. 
No, right. Well, maybe, but those numbers, you don't really expect out of anyone. Uh, I mean, if Trout was hitting like that, you'd, I mean, except for maybe Mike Trout, right? Or the absolute best players in the game. Um, one question, uh, what happened to J.D. Martinez's power? That is the thing I was going to bring up, because Martinez was fine this month, um, but he was like a leadoff man this month. He was an on-base machine, and he had 364 OBP. He hit 296, but yeah, the power just wasn't there. Um, I mean, it's definitely not anything I'm really worried about, but now that I think back on it, it makes sense. I don't really remember him making an impact in that way, but he's still... Um, I think if anything, it might be positive that he was still able to be good. Um, he was the fourth best hitter on the team in a month where he only had three home runs and his ISO was uh, 122. His ISO was lower than Kike Hernandez on the month. So, um, to all my catchers streaming, to all my catchers streaming heads in uh, deep fantasy leagues, Kevin Ploiecki. <laughs> He had a big month. He did. 320, 393, 520. Now, granted, that's in 25 at-bats, but still. Yeah, he didn't really play him. And he was so bad in April that, I mean, I don't play fantasy anymore, so I don't want to give anybody fantasy advice, but I uh, don't know that I would be targeting Kevin Plucky. Here's here, very briefly, if you just stream catchers and you just play the um, platoon matchups, you can do pretty well. All right, done with that. Uh, starting pitchers. Best starting pitcher of the month. This one's tough. Uh, let me dig into the numbers here. Is it tough? Uh, Maybe it's not as tough as I, as I thought it was. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong page. No, I think you're probably looking at the no, wrong I think page. No, I think it's tough. Oh, hold on. Oh, no, these... <laughs> you, why don't you go? Because it's clicking on their... Uh, I'm I'm at a wrong bad place to look at it. You go ahead. And... I'll say, I mean, it's a two man race. I'll say, Martin Perez. Um, he threw a few fewer innings um, than the other guy, but Perez was just steady. He started throwing more innings. Um, I think that signifies that Cora is both trusting Perez more and also maybe not trusting his bullpen as much as he did earlier in the year. Uh, but he's getting it done. He's missing bats in a way that we've never really seen from him uh, much in his career. He's striking out like a batter per inning. He's also not really walking anybody. Um, Perez is a guy that I've never really been very confident in. We recently did rankings on the site of our rotation or of the Red Sox rotation the rest of the year. I had Perez last, uh, but there's really no arguing with anything he did in the month of May. He had a two six zero ERA and it looked sustainable. It did not look like he was just being aided by good luck. So, um, like I said, I think there are two options you can't really go wrong with, but I'm giving the nod to Perez. Yeah, I can see. I mean, Richards does seem to be playing with fire a little bit, allowing a lot more base runners uh, than Perez, now that I have the correct stats pulled up. Uh, I'm. I agree with you, and that I don't know if, I guess it was your question, but uh, I did not have Martin Perez last because I'm a believer. So, you know, that's you can live with your failure there, and I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm enjoy, very used to living with fa- failures, so that's that enjoy my problem. success and having ranked him fourth. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, still, who'd you have fifth? Pavetta still, I'm guessing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, not looking terrible. All right. Uh, reliever, there's actually other options here. It's, it doesn't just have to be the main guy. Uh, well, I speaking about the main guy, I did want to say that you were wondering what uh, happened to Colton Brewer. It's possible that Matt Barnes took like a secret talent charm and then hit it for 2020 so that no one could find it. So no one would suspect anything. Now 2021, he's like, okay, I'm going to bust it out now. Thereby having stolen the, um, you get what I'm saying, but I'm going with Matt Barnes. Yeah, I mean, Matt Barnes was, I'm just going to ignore whatever it is you just said. Uh, Matt Barnes was awesome. Six saves in 10 games. Uh, did give up a couple of runs. He had a 270 RA, which is still very good, obviously. Uh, 14 strikeouts per nine. Um, I think he's probably the right answer there. But I will give a little bit of a shout out to um, Hirokazu Sawamura. Sawamura kind of took some time to get used to the majors, get used to pitching in the States. Um, Japanese pitchers talk a lot about the actual physical baseball being different, um, especially for pitchers, so we had to make that adjustment. But he was very good in May, despite getting hit around a little bit. He gave up a home run. He had a 455 Babbitt against him, um, which is right in line with what Eduardo Rodriguez gave up, and obviously Rodriguez was on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, but Salamore still had a 2-1-6 ERA, a little bit better than Barnes. Um, a couple fewer innings, struck out 15 per nine, um, a little more than Barnes. So I think Barnes probably still deserves it because he's pitching in the more important situations, and obviously that's harder, and the adrenaline's going and all that. But Salamore, the Red Sox came into May needing some guys to step up behind Barnes, and Salamore has gone a long way, and he's sort of in there with Adam Ottavino and Darwins and Hernandez as guys that you can trust later in the game. So I think that was a big development. And uh, even if he wasn't quite as good as Barnes, I think he deserves a little bit of a shout out there. I agree. All right. Biggest surprise of the month. The, I would say just that, with the possible exception with of Eduardo Rodriguez that the pitching is hasn't imploded and is doing has put another great month behind it basically um and it's the same guys it's not uh it, there's not a lot of spot starters or IL, IL guys it's hard to stay healthy health is a skill especially this year and i am just Surprised the Red Sox have managed to get this much out of this group of players, and I am finally sort of confident that they can continue to. I don't know how confident I am that they can continue to, um, just because I don't know that I would be confident in any. I mean, it's nothing against the Red Sox specifically. I don't know that I would be confident in any of these teams being able to keep this group healthy, but I do think the coaching staff and the front office coming up, they clearly had a plan for all these guys that goes back to when they reported in February and is working out. So um, I would agree that that is a surprise. Um, I will go with uh, Hunter Renfro being better than Rafael Devers at the plate, at least by WRC plus in the month of May. Um, 
he hit 319, 333, 604. Um, and he, I think we, it was pretty clear that he was a streaky hitter. That wasn't much of a secret when he signed, but this has been sustained in a way that I wasn't really expecting for a full month. I mean, he went basically wire to wire in May where he is just hitting the ball hard. He's doing especially well against lefties, but he's holding his own against righties. Um, I think one of the biggest issues for their Red Sox team clearly is the bottom of their lineup. Um, They have some black holes that we've already talked about. Um, And so having Renfro in that bottom third, he's still hitting usually – eight or nine he's had a few games where he's hitting higher but he's still typically in that bottom third I think having somebody like him hitting the way that he is in that part of the lineup has been huge for this team where you mentioned that the pitching is still good and it is but it does feel like it's starting to show cracks this month that it hadn't necessarily shown in April and having the offense be a little bit more well-rounded to pick up the slack was almost entirely due to Hunter Renfro so um yeah, he was a massive, massive part of that month. Yeah, uh, I it was really a shock to see his stats when I pulled up the uh, the May stats. It, it for a second it looked like I had it sorted wrong, and I had to get the right names up there. But no, that was right. I do have to say about the pitchers, it's not that I think that they'll stay healthy. It's just that when they are healthy, I think they're going to be kind of good. I, I'm not. Oh, I get. I misunderstood the, what you're saying. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah, it wasn't clear. I just I'm sort of not waiting for the other shoe to drop on quality. Yeah, actually, I think I'm with you there. Um, I'm starting to get a little worried about Rodriguez, although I can't totally articulate why I feel that way because it still does feel like he's getting unlucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, these I am not expecting Pavetta to turn into a pumpkin. I'm not. Richards, I'm still a little shaky on. His control's been a little bit worse his last few times up, um, but I definitely feel more confident in all those guys. Um. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. All right, what about the uh, biggest disappointment for me? 
I mean, it's Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, it has to be. Um, it has to be. Uh, and it's not, I don't think, like, we're not disappointed in him. He's gone through so much and is trying to do so much. Not, like, personally disappointed, but he's getting hit around. And, yeah, he's get, not getting lucky, but, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, to some degree. And it will be nice if he can shake this off um, without a, an IL trip. Yeah, um, I think he got a little bit screwed by the weather this weekend. Um, it sort of feels like he just needs to have a good start to get himself back on track. I don't know if it's a mental thing or, I mean, this is just something that we see from athletes sometimes when you're going through these kind of slumps. I mean, you hear hitters talk about it all the time. You just need a blooper to fall in to fall out of a slump, and then that can be the slump buster. I think Rodriguez just needs a good start and he was supposed to start against the Marlins on Sunday. And that was like the opportunity to just go out and get back on track. And then it rains. And then he has to face the Astros instead, which is like the total opposite in the last team he wants to face because, uh, Rodriguez's problem right now is that when a ball goes into play, it is falling in for a hit. He has a 456 bab against him in the month of May, which is just unheard of. And the Astros are the best team in baseball by a pretty wide margin at simply putting the ball in play. So those two factors don't really go well together, and we saw what happened on Monday. Um, so hopefully Rodriguez can find a way to get out of his slump against good teams because that's all the Red Sox are playing coming up. Um, but I think you're right. He has to be the biggest disappointment. I will say um, Bobby Dalbeck can get a shout-out here. It seems like Dalbeck is not really trending in any sort of right direction, and he's kind of falling out of favor a little bit in the lineup. We're seeing more Danny Santana at first base, um, and Dalbeck's still striking out a little bit. So I was kind of hoping to see him progress as the season went on, but he's stagnating through two months. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Dalbeck by any means, but it was a little bit of a disappointing month for him, I think. Yeah, I think that we really want Bobby Dalbeck to be Tristan Cassis, um, and I just mean a much more well-rounded hitter, but he really is a... Uh, I want him to be run. Mark Reynolds. Sure, sure. Uh, but... This is just going to happen with Dahlbeck probably forever. So, again, it's they just keep winning, so it's hard to pick too many nits. But, uh, I mean, I, for me, it's just, it's just Eduardo Rodriguez. It's really, especially because in those rankings, I think that he was generally our number one starter. And you need... You don't need a, a defined number one starter to be good, but it would feel it better helps. as a fan to have some confidence that you have a guy that can go out there and do the thing. But yeah, going from the Marlins at home on Sunday afternoon to in Houston on Monday afternoon, which is a weird, like just a weird game time uh, to begin with, uh, is the worst swap, not the worst swap imaginable, but it's close. It's not good. It's up there, especially for a guy who just needs luck on balls and play and you're facing 
like the most relentless lineup in uh, baseball right now. So it's tough. Well, what he needs is unfortunate. They don't play the Mariners because Jared Kelnick, the number one prospect, has like a a 100 BABIP uh, as a hitter. So he needs to he needs to face him and just see what happens uh, because I, I think it'd just be an error on every play and everybody <laughs> the, n- nobody wins the movable object against the solvable force. Yes. All right. So that was May. June is going to be brutal for the Red Sox, at least on paper. Um, so in the month of June, they play 28 games. Uh, three of them are against teams with records below 500. Uh, that is terrible and looking just more contained. They have a 17 game stretch, which includes Monday's game against Houston. Uh, they play the Astros for four on the road. They play the Yankees for three on the road. They have the makeup game against the Marlins at home. They have three more against the Astros at home. Then they have four against the Blue Jays at home. Then they go for, on the road for two against the Braves. And that's all in 17 games in 17 days. What is their record going to be or during that stretch? 17 games. I don't know if I knew I'd bet on it. Then I, you know, <laughs> well, obviously, I you don't know, Brian. Uh, it's called I, a prediction. I would say, I'll say 500. They'll go 500. Well, they can't uh, go 500. I, oh, sorry. To the odd go, number of games. Um, one will get rained out, Matt. Uh, uh-huh. They will, I mean, I think that they're going to, this is a stay afloat part of the season, which is made a little bit tougher by the fact that the Rays don't lose games. But uh, just in a, value neutral sense i if they can go one game over or p500 through the stretch i think that's a victory given that the padding that they've given themselves and uh, that you know you have to beat the bad teams or the not top teams and they've done that largely until now so they've given themselves the cushion they just can't start getting brutal the the, the nightmare scenario is what we've said about the pitching both injury and quality just gets cut off and then they get brutalized. And short of that happening, I think they should be okay. Probably not great. And if they look beginning of the season, we didn't expect them to be here. So maybe they'll just pound the crap out of them, but I kind of doubt it. I think they're going to have a really tough time um, with the stretch. I, on the site, my prediction for the entire month was 13 and 15. I think the bulk of those losses are going to come during this stretch. I'm going to say 6 and 11. Um, I mean, I just, it feels like the Yankees can't keep being this bad. Um, the Astros have kind of been hanging around 500. It feels like they're ready to explode. I don't know. It just feels like I'm starting to get a little nervous about the pitching and this is sort of where I want to see it and I guess there's still some pessimism hanging out from before the season that I haven't quite gotten over yet so um, if they do finish over 500 during this stretch then I'm gonna eat a lot of crow but I just I'm foreseeing a very tough few weeks in Boston well I agree with you that the Yankees getting swept by the Tigers is wild it's all and it's almost not what you want to see for the red sox visiting 
the, Over the, the Yankees. Yeah. It's at the same time. I mean, if you can argue it's exactly what you want to see. Right. If the Yankees are, are actually reeling and the Red Sox can win two out of three, that's the, the Yankees. There's a lot of season left, but suddenly because the Yankees aren't just tra- uh, trailing the Red Sox, everyone is behind the Rays. There's going to be a lot of winning, so much winning uh, in this division. And as the Astros series is tough, but the Yankees series is uh, – I'm sorry, there's two Astros series. The, the Yankees series is really where the rubber meets the road, I think. I think that's right. Um, I think you could say that about the Blue Jays series too, depending. The Blue Jays have been kind of weird all year, but um, that's four games – and it's sort of, I mean, they have this Houston series, then the Yankees, then Houston again, that I think is garnering so much attention. And then that's followed up immediately with four against the Blue Jays. That can be, um, if they're playing poorly in those previous three series, I can see that Blue Jays kind of just being like the continuation of that poor stretch. But um, like I said, the Red Sox have. Do you think what? if they go 16 and 11 or 6 and 11 that they will be in fourth place at the end of that? Uh, I would have to do a little math, I guess, to be confident in saying it, but I could see it, I guess. Yeah, they're four and a half up on the Blue Jays. Um, I don't think it would be a certainty, but I would think it would be a possibility, yeah. I know well, it also depends how those wins are distributed against right. the if Yankees and Blue Jays. Yeah, if it's all losses to the Astros, it's way uh, less likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but we'll see. This is going to be probably the test of the Red Sox season, and I think it dovetails into trade season. Um, Jake and Keaton talked a lot about the trade deadline on yesterday's show, so we won't spend too much time on it, but I do think this is a really interesting year for the trade deadline just because they moved the draft back and that um, typically on the baseball calendar – once the draft was over was when trade season really began. Now that the draft is pushed back into the middle of July, um, I think that calendar gets changed a little bit. And I'm curious where we talked about it a little bit before, but is it this 17 game stretch? Is this where you make the judge on the trade deadline? Is it too early to talk now? Um, what are you on teams making trades right now? Well, this, we're thinking this... about making trades. This 17-game stretch, we've talked about it so much on podcasts that nobody has heard. I was going to say, I don't know if any of those got published. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit, uh, which my point being that you have made it clear that you think that there's a lot of planning potentially that is going to be uh, determined based on how they do in these games and specifically with Jaron Duran, that the idea might be for him to come up uh, when he can after this stretch. And I think you've convinced me basically that when this stretch is over, that might be when the, they look to start adding guys. Uh, So I think that that is a uh, possible timetable. Yeah, I think, I think unless they totally tank, which clearly I've made 
known that I think is possible. But unless they totally tank during this stretch, I think they'll at least be in the market for like those rental seventh inning guys that cost basically nothing. Um, but I think this, if they do well in the stretch, I think at that point it wouldn't be surprising to hear them entertaining trading some of their top prospects. I'm not expecting them to trade Casas or Duran, but I could see Downs being dangled in some sort of blockbuster. I don't think they would trade for a rental, but I could see... I don't think they would trade top 10 prospects, top 15 prospects, unless they did well in this stretch. Um, But, I mean, you hear front office people talk all the time that you kind of need the team to prove that they're worth kind of putting those investments into, so... Um, I don't know that the Red Sox have proven that quite yet, but I think I think in a couple of weeks is when I would seriously start getting on the phone and making trades. I think um, there's a value to being first in those conversations. Yeah, and being creative, and we know they're creative. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what Heim Bloom was. When he was hired, that was the word that everybody threw around. And I don't know that I've seen... I mean, I like the roster that Bloom has built. I'm not trying to say I, I think he's done a good job. I don't know that he's necessarily been creative, though. So I would like to, uh, I'd like to see what he can do in a buying, buying mode trade deadline. I think um, will be interesting, and I hope the Red Sox are actually in that position. Um, what do you think would be the biggest needs early check in right now um, on this roster? Well, I think that. This is an unfair question in one sense, because when you're talking about trade deadline acquisitions, number one, it's always the bullpen. It doesn't matter what team you are. It doesn't You could have five Mariano Rivera's in your bullpen. You'd be like, you know what? Give me another. Uh, so I'll say one. And then the other one is Max Scherzer. That, that's the need. This is you. Just you put it in my head, and now I'm not going to let it go. Jake and Keaton brought up uh, Scherzer in uh, yesterday's show as well. And, I mean, it does. It makes all the sense in the world. Um because of just who he is, what he adds to the roster. Um, you can never have enough pitching, obviously. Um, I think those two make sense. And I guess it does. I, I'm i sure I mean, there will be other starters available other than Scherzer. Right, but I think dovetailing with what I was saying about Erod I th- and dovetailing what you were saying about maybe Jeter Downs being available, someone like that, maybe Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, just saying, uh, they could use a top five pitcher and so that there's no question who the guy and look for, I know Chris Sale is on the roster. That's not what I'm talking about, but, uh, right now, uh, in, in season and for the postseason, this seems to be a case where it could be worth it. That's all. I think that's but right. If the if as you say, they prove that they are worth it. Uh, yeah, I don't think anything like that would happen until. But that seems like something that would go like down to the deadline, both because the Red Sox might want to wait that long to see if they're worth it, and also the Nationals will probably want to wait that long to get the best possible deal. Um, so unless they get blown away early, I would think that they're just going to keep waiting until somebody goes nuts with an offer. Um, so. I'm sure well, we will when talk you about say, Max. When you, I'm sorry, but when you say that, that does make it sound to me like High and Bloom is creative. And by the way, I do want to push back. I do think that the roster they put together is 
pretty creatively constructed. Um, of course, when you have that sort of flexibility, you can be creative. <laughs> um, but it, what you're saying, is there a value in being first? It would be unorthodox, but it would be interesting. If that was could. the Dombrowski, not so much as the trade deadline, but that was the Dombrowski rationale always in the off season was you find who you want and you go get them. You don't wait around. You don't negotiate. Um, and he got criticized for that sometimes rightfully, I think a little too much, but um, he was always willing to put in that extra mid-level prospect to get a deal done first and not have to negotiate for an extra week uh to get the price down so i think there is value in it i don't know that i necessarily see value with this specific red sox team getting going pushing in that hard right now um especially for scherzer i don't know that it's somebody that they can't absolutely wait for um but i think generally speaking sometimes we underrate how important it is to make those moves quickly yeah I, I think I want, I, I want him. I want him on the. <laughs> I want him in the playoff. Race. I mean, think about it. If That's he's on the, the team, and yeah. the other teams make moves, you could have just a a four way uh, battle royale, and it would be awesome. Well, I'm envisioning a rotation with Scherzer and Sale as the top two pitchers, and that is um, two psychopaths at the top of the rotation in the set in the most endearing way possible. I mean, it's the it's the Diamondbacks all over again. Um, different uh, type Schilling of psycho. Randy. Di- different, different type <laughs> I of hope there's psych- no shilling on this Red Sox team. Right. Uh, would yeah. Be, would be my hope, but uh, yeah. I am not going to investigate into that because I might not like what I found. Um, one other quick position I would say is um, they could very well be in the market for a first baseman uh, come the trade deadline. I don't think. I think that is something that they would certainly wait for. I don't think they would be making those phone calls right now. But if you're in the if you're at the All Star break and Bobby Dalbeck still has not figured it out, and Marwin Gonzalez is not hitting, and Danny Santana is not a guy you want in the lineup every day, I can see them looking at some selling teams. Maybe the Giants fall out of it. Um, they don't look like it, but um, maybe some. You looking at like Brandon Belt? You looking Brandon at Brandon Belt, Belt is available. Um, I've always been a big Belt guy. He's good. Um, he's he's one of the most quietly productive players, at least over here on the East Coast. Well, it's be, um, yeah, it's because the Giants haven't been great for the last few years. He plays on the West Coast, and San Francisco is just an impossible place to hit. So his surface level numbers have never looked very good. Um, but yeah, I would like a belt guy. But any, I could see them looking for a first baseman. I guess is my point. Um, not so. I have much to agree. I mean, I'm player. saying. I'm saying, I mean, I think that Dahlbeck maybe could be had. And I think that there's there's every reason to see what you could get for him, having no, literally having almost nothing to do um, with his contributions to the team right now, just from the long term. Um, I mean, unless he was just setting the house on fire, which I, I just don't think is going to happen. So... Uh, yeah, that ma- that makes a lot of sense. All right. A uh, couple other things before I get to listener questions. Um, All-Star game voting is starting soon. 
I don't think we really care too much about the actual voting process, although I know some people do. That is nothing. That is not something I have ever been particularly concerned with. Um, but just generally looking at all-star caliber players, how many do you think they have right now that you think are all-stars? Off the top of my head, I'd say four. I think that makes sense. Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Barnes? Correct. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, I could see one of their starting pitchers getting there. I just don't know who. I think everybody about, but Rodriguez probably has a shot. What about Vasquez, honestly? Vasquez hasn't really hit. Um, he's kind of fallen oh, off right. a little bit. Um, Sal- Salvador Perez is having oh, yeah. a big year. And Jeremy um, Mercedes. I forget. Is he? Would he count as a catcher? Is he caught enough games? I guess he. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't not. know if he's really catching much because they have Grandal, who would be another guy. I don't think they'll uh, take any of the Sox starters. I mean, the other thing is that, like. Well, it's a long way a away. Of... If Perez has another big month in June, I could see him. I mean, his numbers would be legitimately all star worthy. And also, yeah. there's like 40 injury replacements every year. Um, so there's a million all stars. No, let's talk about. Let's talk about people who would make the initial team. Just project okay. project that's that. fair enough. Um, I mean, I think it probably is the top four, but I could see any of Perez, Richards, Pavetta, Avaldi getting there. They would need to have a big six week stretch coming up, but I don't think it's. I think it's still in play for them. I guess I'll say. What about Verdugo if he put together a huge June? I guess it could be. Um, there's a lot of good outfielders in the American yeah. League. It's outfield is just a tough spot because there's not there's a lot of good outfielders and there's not as many that get taken as there are pitchers, um, which makes it one, tough. But I mean, it's possible, I suppose. There's one more outfield spot than there normally would be because Trout, Cause Trout is Trout. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, that's a good point. But there's still. I mean, right now he is. 17th in F4 among outfielders in the American League. Um, Trout is one of the guys ahead of him. So is Byron Buxton. I'm not even. Byron Buxton still leads American League All Star or outfielders in war, by the way, which is wild. But um, I don't know. I mean, Verdugo is kind of on the periphery, I guess. If he had a big month, I could see it, especially if the Red Sox stay in contention because that stuff does matter. Um, but I would probably say. I would say it's more likely that a starting pitcher gets in than for two go at this point for me. I can I can see that, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's also uh, a numbers game. I get four choices there rather than just one. Exactly, and I and on top of that, you don't even have to choose one. You just say say exactly. One of them. Yeah, exactly. But I could also. I mean, I think this goes without saying, except for I'm saying it that it's entirely possible that none of them make it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably the most likely scenario. All right. Um, I was going to have us talk about the players to be named later in the Andrew Benintendi trade, um, but we're kind of running low on time, so we'll skip that discussion. I will say that um, expect at least one of those players to be named this week. Chris Cotillo, 
uh, reported that the deadline for the player coming from the Mets is on Friday, so we should know at least one by next week. Maybe all of them. That deadline is coming up, so uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit next week. Uh, the prospect pod on deck podcast later in the week. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but we have a few listener questions that I want to get to before we sign off. Um, Finn asks, in the unlikely event that the Red Sox do shut Erod down for a bit, uh, who do you think would, or any names you can think of to fill the rotation spot? Um, it should be mentioned that Tanner Houck and Connor Siebold are still injured, which complicates the picture a little bit. Except for the answer, I think, for a short time, as we've said in many deleted podcasts, is probably Matt Andrees. But uh, that's the name I thought of. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes the most sense, but he's also been pretty bad lately. Um, I almost, it, I guess it would depend when it happened, what the schedule looked like. Do they have days off coming? Maybe they can play around with the four-man rotation for a turn or two. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to just see, I wouldn't be surprised to see entry start, but only for like three innings and kind of go bullpen game slash piggyback, maybe with Whitlock too. They each go three innings, something like that. Um, but I don't, I don't think you would see one of the other starters in Worcester come up and take a 40 man spot for that sort of thing. Um, so I think it probably would be entries and maybe not a typical starting, typical starting, uh, roll uh mads 89 another erod question uh given his recent slide what are the chances erod returns next year i guess in percentage form if you want to put it that way i don't know however you want to put it i don't want to do it that way i would say they're better than they were before the bad slide uh you think because i i think the red Sox like erod and if he his quote-unquote value goes down there's a better chance that they agree on what his value is. I don't think there's a very good chance um, because I think that they're going to be looking at the higher end of the rotation market. And I don't think Rodriguez, if Rodriguez doesn't turn around in a big way, I don't think he's going to be part of that upper class. So, um, I don't know. Right now, I'm still around 50-50. I don't really have a strong feeling, but I don't think that this performance has helped matters. Although, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just I don't know that I agree. I probably, I probably agree with you on the odds. I just see it. The odds have... Yeah. Uh, you have, if, if anyone, have convinced me that the Red Sox um, might not want, might not end up bringing him back. So, the 50-50 to me seems like an improvement. That's all. That's fair enough. Uh, Alan Chang uh, asks, when's a realistic timeline for Duran if he performs well in the Olympics, Olympic qualifying, but uh, not to be a, too nitpicky about it, but timeline on Duran, um, what are you thinking? The second he's done? Yeah, I think it's I... this month. Um, I don't know that I have a more specific thought than that, but I do think it is this month. Can't be worse than Kelnick. <laughs> don't don't tempt fate um our last question comes from hendrick am i crazy for being really optimistic about this season due to where the Sox's weak spots are uh they've gotten bad offense from the right side of the infield and corner outfield and help with that should be easy to find um or already on the farm 
Hedrick says the team looks like a real contender. Uh, he's crazy for writing us. That's why he's crazy. <laughs> he's not. He's not crazy uh, for believing this. I think he. It's. He's not taking into account the things that have gone well. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's fine. I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Why yeah. do you think? I think that our fan base, at least the fan base we interact with, is disproportionately international people and i was wondering why you think that is or if you disagree um, with me it seems like we get a lot of uh european well i think it would fans. i think it would make sense that um people not in the boston market would find their red sox coverage um in on the internet rather than more traditional publications that would be my guess all right, um, sweet. That makes sense to me. And that, I think, is a good place to end it. Um, thank you for listening, no matter where you're listening from. We appreciate it. Um, if you liked the show, please subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, leave us a rating and a review. Um, recommend us to your friends. You can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joyner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I, and you can find all of our writing at overthemonster.com. And I really hope you hear this one, and we'll be back next week.